First and foremost, welcome to October, everyone. Um, this is the Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and with this, we are all dyeing ourselves pink. Um, if you don't want to participate, you don't have to, but if you want to show your support for the women who have survived breast cancer uh, within our family, um, please dye yourself pink, or at least the trim pink. Um, our Guild Wars 2 logo is pink this month. Our ESO logo is going to stay green just because they are limited. So if we change it out of the green, we might be pink forever. So to avoid that, we're going to say green, but we're going to dye our armor pink. So um, I'd love to see everyone participate and help out. Um, there is the Pink Day LA, which is going to be in Lion's Arch on the October 25th, which is the same day as our Extra Life event. So we are slotting a half an hour for us to go parade around Lion's Arch as a family and show our support to uh, the Pink Day in LA uh, crew. So if you are interested in doing that, uh, definitely join us on the 25th of October. Um, that will be the same day as our Extra Life event. We do have a full 24 hours worth of events planned for Guild Wars 2 and almost a full 24 hours of events planned for ESO as well. So if you are playing either game, we're going to have lots of things going on. We're going to be um, giving prizes to the top um, earners that are, are participating in the Extra Life event. So if you can raise contributions um, from your family, friends, coworkers, uh, llamas, doesn't matter. Whoever wants to donate uh, can donate. You can just post in the little link and ask for their support. And anyone that uh, can raise the most can walk away with a prize. We have some pretty pretty sweet prizes. In Guild Wars 2, we're giving away the legendary uh, Sunrise. And in several other prizes for the uh, second, third, fourth, and so on. And then in ESO, we're giving away some limited edition uh, companion pet. They're like pigs. Um, to the top 10 positions, and then we're giving away a little gold prize uh, to the top three winners. And then for the first prize winner, they're going to walk away with a legendary item of their choice and a legendary glyph. Um, so if you're interested in participating in that, once the um, Extra Life site has a revision done and it comes back online, you'll be able to click on the big white box on our homepage and join the team. When you're, you're registering, make sure to use your ESO or Guild Wars 2 ID inside of your name. So put your first name, then quote marks, and your ESO or Guild Wars 2 ID, quote marks, and then use your regular last name or whatnot to sign up for the thing. And that way we can figure out who's who in the, in the list and be able to uh, send prizes the right way. So, um, and then all you got to do is fundraise, try to help some kids in need. Um, this is our fourth year doing the Extra Life event. And I'm hoping that we can break our $5,000 mark. Um, we're also teaming up with Sanctum Raw to help meet this goal. So anyone on Sanctum Raw will also be eligible to win some of our prizes. Um, additionally, for anyone that is in Atlanta, Georgia, we will be doing a little meet and greet out there on the 14th. Um, it'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at uh, Fado's Irish Pub. Um, that's over in the Buckhead area of Atlanta. I'd love to see you all there. Um, I will be out there. Juliana will be out there. So you'll be able to meet us too. Uh, I'm pretty sure that we have about three other people that have confirmed that they're going to be going as well. So coming this fall, I have moved our events around a little bit. So for the Guild Wars 2 side, my Thursday event is going to begin at 5 p.m. instead of 6 p.m. And it's going to go until 8 p.m. Um, this is to try to help some of our East Coasters be able to stay for the full event. 
Um, I know that this is going to heat on some of our West Coast times, and I'm sorry for that, but it's becoming increasingly more obvious that um, our East Coasters have to split at 8 p.m. our time. So it's either shorten the event by an hour or move it up and be able to have a full three hours that way. So we still do have our Saturday events at 11 to 2 a.m. Um, so you'll be able to catch the sort of missions then if you're interested. For the ESO side, we're moving our Tuesday event to Wednesday, and that will be a 5 to 8 event as well. And then Saturdays, we're still doing the 12 to 2 shadow ups. Um, the additional thing with um, ESO is we are going to be rotating it. So it'll be one week in Blackwater Blade, the next week in Thornblade. So um, the two events are basically going to alternate based on which one we're in that week. So um, that's going to do our best to try to see if we can raise our population a little bit and uh, get people joining the family. Um, still trying to, to gain some membership on that side of the ball. For Season 3, we have pretty much locked down second place um, every week that we've been playing. I believe we did come in first one week, didn't we? I think. And uh, this is our last week, so be sure to get out there and uh, help out anytime you can. Don't just wait around for Goshki Commanders. Go ahead and feel free to join other Commanders. Feel free to join up on the TeamSpeak um, and communicate with them. Uh, we can use all the support we can get our hands on. So if you're out there and want to go World be World, please join up with one of those commanders and help out as best we can. So before I get into the ZeniMax stuff, because I've been spending the last week at ZeniMax, um, helping them kind of build a blueprint for ESO and also seeing some of the cool stuff that they have coming, I wanted to kind of wrap up on the other stuff so that anyone that wanted to attend Rylissa's event would be able to. So other than the ESO stuff that I'm going to talk to you about in a little bit, we have a little bit of Sager news. Our Sager is off the ground in uh, Arcage. If you're interested in playing that, we are on the um, Taiyang Taiyang. server. I'm trying to figure out how I'd pronounce that. <laughs> yeah, Taiyang server. And just join into the Raid Call channel and ask for an invite there, and somebody will get your character name and be able to send you an invite. You have to be logged on to be invited. Um, so we, we got about 190 people over there playing the game together. Um, so feel free to join up with that. This um, The Sager is not an official branch of Gashia. You will not find a Gashia in Arcage. It is a casual group of people. It is not going to be run like a traditional guild. It's just people hanging out, having fun together. It's going to be as serious as you take it. So um, don't expect to be ordering stuff on the marketplace, reclaiming participation, or seeing events on a calendar, none of that stuff um, goes unless it's an official chapter. So it's just a hangout, have fun, go kill stuff together type of game. So, And then I also wanted to put this on your calendars ahead of time. State of the Family Address is going to be on Twitch, so you'll all be able to watch it. Um, it'll be uh, on YouTube after the fact, so you can watch it after the fact. It will be a live stream. So I will be going over all the things that we've accomplished this year, the things that we've accomplished in the past, and talk with you a little bit about our plans for the future. So please join us. That is November 8th at 5 p.m. Pacific. And there's more information on the website if you need it. Um, additionally, if you're in the uh, Pacific Northwest area, we are holding a birthday party for the Gashia at Thirsty Line in Hillsborough, Oregon. Um, that will be on November 8th at 11 a.m. So the same day as the State of the Family. Um, really good food. It's got uh, 52 beers on tap, wide selection of global foods, and a very Gashkia-like atmosphere. 
So you can uh, respond to it uh, by the post on our forums or on the Facebook page. So if you are planning on attending Rylissa's event, I did get you out by 5.30, so feel free to join her in Guild Wars 2. Um, have some fun. For those of you that are interested in ESO, stick around and I will be giving you a short rundown of what I saw at Zenimax. Quick question. The thing in Atlanta, is there information uh, for that on the website as well? Yes, there is. Okay. Alright, so this week I went to, I got flown out to Zenimax headquarters for the second time. The first time was 2012, what, October 2012. Um, when they were still pre-alpha, and uh, this this meeting was actually flying out 20 different guild leaders from around the world. There was eight from Europe and 12 from the U.S. There was a, a very good mix of guilds. I mean, I was pretty much the only leader there that runs a pure casual guild. Um, the rest of them were very much min-maxers, either in PVE or PvP. Um, I have never seen so many very intellectual people trading spreadsheet numbers and talking about calculations and builds min-maxing this, min-maxing that, talking about the best possible scenario for every single thing ever. I mean, I was like nerded out. It was phenomenal how much these guys really love their numbers. <laughs> um, when I was reading over some of the forum posts about uh, how they didn't invite any real, like, elite guilds or, you know, min-max style guilds, I was kind of laughing because we spent most of the time comparing numbers with Zenimax. And, yeah, I mean, these people brought 70-page documents of nothing but numbers, like straight-out spreadsheet help. And it was like, wow, these guys got it together. I mean, they were doing, like, average DPS, you know, how much you can do with each weapon, um, you know, how certain things were missing uh, from the game. Um, and all that information was shared with Zenimax. They were all comparing numbers and, and contributing. Um, the, the guild NOR uh, turned over about a 45-page document outlining some of the, the major issues. Um, I personally turned over about a 27-page document to Zenimax, which I happen to see was on most of their monitors on the second day. Um, I was walking around the office, and I, pretty much every other developer had that document open. So it's... That's good news. Um, a lot of the stuff I pitched was stuff to build more unity in, in the game and building more of a social aspect of the game. Um, I kind of referred to it as the antisocial game um, and pointed out reasons why um, and, and ways that they can improve. Um, it, was a, it was a very kind of, I didn't tear them down a lot. I more said, this is one of the problems that you're finding. This is one of the solutions, you know, a possible solution. Um, I gave them just enough to kind of uh, lead them along. Lud, you're queuing up a lot. I don't know why. But um, then we got into the presentations, and the presentations covered quite a bit of stuff. Um, the very first one was about combat responsiveness. One of the things that they want to do is make it feel more natural and give the user more response to what's going on on the screen. So when you swing your sword, they have worked diligently to make it look like you hit the person that you're swinging at so that you can tell just visually, I hit this guy, and he took damage. Um, great Swords got a whole lot of love. Um, I can tell you that they will probably be one of the favorite classes around. All their skills have been rebuilt. Um, they, the timing of the weapon swings is a lot different. The particle effects are a lot different. Um, 
The other thing is is that they've uh, added particle pulling that will um, hide the effects of um, spells and whatnot when they're further away from you. Um, things that aren't critical to you as a player. Um, person, like single target spells going against one another are going to be um, turned off sooner to keep your, your latency low. Um, so when you run into a large group of people, the first thing that's going to you're going to notice is that the guys off in the distance are just kind of swinging their weapons at each other, and you can't really tell what they're doing. Um, as you get closer to you, you'll be able to see the more effects. You'll see the AOEs primarily first, and then you'll see the direct spells second. So if it has to pull uh, anything, it's going to pull the stuff that's least per pertinent to you first. Additionally, they're going to be changing the way that the ultimates um, with the synergies work so that you only see the synergies that will actually benefit you. So if there's somebody that th throws down a, a heal circle and purity pops up and you don't have anything to cleanse, it's not going to show up for you. So you're not going to have to press X to get rid of it. It'll show you something else that you do need. So um, that's a, a pretty nice improvement. Um, pretty much what they're mainly working on is, is stability and keeping the game fast um, in all situations. So I think we'll see a lot of that stuff change. The um, attack animations are really cool. The daggers kind of look like more like you're a ninja. Um, there's even situations where the when you're swinging your weapons, you know, you're just spamming your light attack. Right now it's just kind of the same thing over and over and over again. It doesn't look very natural. Now they've thrown in some uh, various, like, kind of... Uh, flamboyant moves within it. So you'll be swinging left, 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 right, and then you'll like flip your dagger over and stab. Um, but you're not doing any different attacks, you're just spamming the left the left mouse button. But your character will do a different series of attacks that, that kind of make it look more cinematic. Um, same thing with the greatsword. Um, occasionally it even hit people with the butt of his, his greatsword. Um, and then the greatsword will start off as a slow swing, and then as the momentum gets moving, it'll speed up until it's fast, until it hits something. Um, so it looks a lot more natural um, than it did previously. So we'll see a lot of animation tweaks on that front, a lot of uh, optimization of effects so that it, it's not such a, a lag. Um, the next big thing was their systems design team. Um, crafting is getting a lot of love. I, I have to tell you, I... If you're into crafting, you're really going to like this. First and foremost, they're adding a tutorial to walk people through it. Um, so that the moment that you start, you're going to be able to start uh, seeing how best to do things. Um, and as soon as you finish the tutorial, or just if you click skip the tutorial, the very last thing is that you'll get your craftsmanship certification, saying that you're certified to make this stuff. And then you'll be able to craft. Um, there's also crafting writs, which are coming, which are quests for crafters. So you'll be able to take these and craft something and then turning it in for EXP and uh, leveling up your crafting skills. Um, there's the new Dwemer style that's coming, um, which you will collect uh, pieces of Dwemer stuff out of Dwemer caves. And so like all those gears and the, the broken arm things and the gadgets and gizmos, you will basically you refine those into the stuff that you need to make uh, Dwemer armor out of. So it should be kind of neat. Um, all the Dwemer styles are going to come out of pages of the book rather than the whole book. You will be able to find the, the book itself, but it's going to be very, very, very rare. Um, otherwise, you'll f find individual pages to create, say, a great sword, a Dwemer great sword, or a Dwemer helmet, or Dwemer shoulders. Uh, each one of those pages will be independent. 
Um, and that's pretty much the, the style that they're planning on. If it's well received, they're going to keep doing new styles that way. Um, there's also going to be a nine trait set called the Twiceborn Star, um, which is going to be craftable in Upper Craglorn. It's going to um, allow you to have two Mundestone boosts or boons simultaneously. So you can have you know the lover and the thief if you want it um, at the same time. So. And then there's the Imperial Daedric or Zivkin armor, which will be out of the Imperial City coming here soon, and that will be a crafting style. And from what I heard, it sounds like you're going to have to craft it in the Imperial City. Um, it's, I believe that there's um, crafting stations that you can craft those specific sets. So it'll it'll add a whole new thing, and you have to have that sector of the the map to be able to use those crafting tools. So it's going to kind of play into PvP a little bit as well. Um, they're completely rebuilding provisioning. They're getting rid of more than 50% of the ingredients and making it a much more refined. It looks very much like um, the enchanting right now, where you have pretty much a pretty clear, I mix this, this, and this, and it makes this. Make this, this, and this, and it makes this. It's not going to be like it is now, where it's just this massive pooch screw of God knows what. Um, <laughs> so... You're going to have a lot more room in your inventory, um, so it, it's probably going to be a lot easier. And everything is going to be every faction will have access to everything, so it's not they're not doing any more faction-based recipes. So um, I will get to the Imperial City a little later in this film. Yeah, so hold that question. Um, so yeah, the, the provisioning is going to be greatly revamped. I did make contact with the guy that's actually building the provisioning team, so hopefully I'll be able to have some insider scoop on that um, and be able to transition it to the marketplace about the time it goes live. Um, the other really cool thing is dungeon scaling is coming. So if you are BR14 and you miss the entire first half of the dungeons and don't want to go through there and act like God, um, you can then go back to these dungeons and it will scale up the BR-14. So you can go to Fungal Grotto and play it as a BR-14 and experience Fungal Grotto in hard mode, essentially. Um, everything will scale to it. You'll also have dungeon pledges that you can get from the Undaunted Guild, um, which you can earn keys that will be bronze, silver, or gold, depending on how well you performed inside the dungeon. What I mean by that was, did you complete the optional objectives and did you complete it under a certain amount of time? If you complete the the main bosses, the optional bosses, and uh, complete the whole thing under a certain amount of time, you will walk out of there with a gold key, which you take back to the Undaunted uh, Tent, which is in every city in the game, all the main cities. Um, you can turn it in for a gold chest, and the gold chest has a great deal of loot in it. So um, that should be pretty nice. Pledges will be done for both non-veteran and veteran uh, dungeons, and they have a different variety every day. So you'll be able to look forward to those. Um, there's also a collections tab, which is coming, that has both, it will store your pets, your costumes, your mounts, and pretty much all those little quest items that you pick up by doing these various quests, and you get little tchotchke items. Those will all go in your collections tab, and you'll be able to uh, slot those quick slot bars and whatnot, and use them anytime you want. Um, so that's coming down the pipeline as well. Um, it works pretty much the same way that the Guild Wars 2 uh, collections work. You can basically go and Take what you want, put what you want in there. Um, additionally, they're working on adding both glass uh, armor and weapons. 
So uh, those look really cool from what I saw. They're also uh, working on some brand new crafting uh, lines, including spell crafting, poison making, and jewel crafting. And they're also looking at mountain racing as a pastime. So I'm really looking forward to the mountain racing. I think that'll be a lot of fun. They're also adding a lot of world interactivity. Um, they're populating the world with little clicky things so that you can, you know, uh, you see something, you click on it. They're making a lot of the weapons that you see on your NPCs uh, obtainable. So if you see a staff that you really want, you can kill that mob and hopefully take their staff. They will have it in their loot table. Um, they're also um, making soul gems clickable. So if you see a soul gem in, in one of the little statues or are sitting on a table somewhere, you can actually pick it up and take it. Also, piles of money will be collectible. So if you see some coins on the table, you can take the coins. Um, there's going to be a lot of new provisioning-based items playing around. So if you see some, you know, uh, apples on a table, you can collect the apples, and you'll actually pick up apples. You won't pick up goat meat. Um, and same thing for um, anything else. If you see it, you're going to pick up what you see, not what, you know, randomly they give you. So, um... There's also going to be some new dye colors coming in, including Sigil Orange. Uh, next up, we got to the ABA Imperial City. Um, so they're going to be, uh, in the near future, they're, they're making it so that you have to be a uh, minimum rank to be able to purchase for board camps. Um, I believe that's PvP rank. So when you open up your, your press L in-game, whatever your PvP rank is, that's what they're going to be basing whether or not you can buy a board camp. Now, I kind of pitched to them that that was probably the bad idea because the people that need the board camps are the people that are low rank, and the people that don't need board camps as much are the guys that are the high rank. So, um, yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully that, that gets altered a little bit. Um, they still are trying to figure out what to do with board camps. They know that they're an issue. They know that they're being abused quite extensively. Um, but they're not quite sure how they want to handle it. They don't really want to get rid of them completely, but they want to do something that, you know, prevents them from being misused. Um, and they are changing in patch five, um, that campaigns, what your bus for your campaign will only be good in that campaign. So you can't, you know, take everything on one map and then play in another and use those buffs. Those buffs will only be good on the, the first campaign. Um, they also added some anti-tunneling boundaries to prevent people from exploiting. Um, if you travel out of bounds, you will get ported home. So, hey, hey, Fog, what does that mean exactly? Which part? Uh, you said you can get, take stuff from one map and then you can't use it in another map. Can you explain that a little more? Yeah, like if I own the center ring on, say, Hadris, I can't go to Thornblade and have all those buffs that I get from Hadris. All those buffs. Okay, are I understand. Buffs. Okay, thanks for that. Same thing with the, the Emperor. The Emperor's only going to get his buffs inside of his own world where he is crowned Emperor. So you can't have a Hadrus Emperor on Thornblade and still running around as an Emperor. Copy, thanks. And then, so the anti-tunneling should stop people from exploiting their way into the war camps. I know that that has been an issue in the past. Uh, Zenimax has had uh, CSR stationed there pretty much around the clock. Anyone that goes in there gets banned. So <laughs> it's, uh, I think it's pretty much resolved at this point, but this system should prevent it from happening in the future, and they won't have to have guys sitting there watching. 
The other future updates that are going to be coming down the road are oil pot adjustments. They are aware that they're being used in completely wrong ways and ineffective ways, and they are going to put a minimum distance that the oil must travel before it's effective. So if you are sticking an oil pot in the ground and pouring it on the ground, that isn't going to work anymore. You're going to have to pour it off of something, and it will have to travel a minimum of six meters or more before it actually hurt. So um, we can look forward to those changes coming. That'll probably be kind of a culture shock when that first comes in. Probably pretty entertaining. Um, additionally, they're changing the Elder Scroll bonuses. Um, they're also working on some adjustments to help population imbalance um, through ways of boosting lower dogs. The people that are, are outnumbered are going to be bolstered a little bit more. They're also investigating server and client crashes. Um, some of the tricks that they uh, taught us are A, close your patcher when you play the game. Your patcher will consistently ping the servers looking for new data. Anytime there's a new patch, it will instantly download it. Um, that sometimes can cause lag within your game. A couple second pause every time it checks. Um, they said to close that. It's actually built by a third party uh, studio that puts these installer apps together and uh, they don't really have the option of editing it. So um, they basically said close that thing. And then the other one is inside your web browser under advanced settings you will find hardware acceleration. Hardware acceleration reserves a portion of your CPU, RAM, and GPU for use by your web browser whether it's open or not. So um, by turning that off you will notice slightly increased performance. Um, and then the other thing, make sure that your drivers are all updated. That includes, you know, your motherboard, your hard drive, your video, sound, um, all your different drivers you want to make sure are up to date. A lot of the problems that they're seeing coming across are outdated or uh, corrupt drivers. So um, those are their biggest tips that they gave me. Um, they're also looking at a lot of things for the spirit of the game, spies, trolls, guesting issues, people misusing systems. They're working on fixing and resolving a lot of those issues. Um, then we got into the Imperial City. Now the Imperial City, I have to say, was pretty cool. Uh, it's a mix of PvP and PvE. Everything is difficulty tuned for one to two players for most of the stuff. Um, and then the bosses are tuned for pretty much group or more. Um, there's some bosses in there that they recommended 24 people. Um, there are the opposite of dark anchors that come from the ground. They're like little portals that open that you get to close, and things just keep spewing out of them, and you got to just keep killing them until you kill the main boss that comes out of it. Um, so those are a lot of fun. There are three main uh, like districts that you have to lock or that you can lock down. There's nothing happens if you lock them all down at this point, but sooner or later they're planning on making that tie into the, the gold white castle or the white gold castle in the center. Um, so, right now, you, by locking down one of the districts, you gain access to the crafting tools that will help you craft the Zifkin armor and whatnot. Um, so you'll you'll want to lock down those areas. Plus, it, it gives you a spawn point um, on the other side of the sewers. So when you start out and you enter the city, um, to enter the city, I'll, I'll rewind a little bit. To enter the city, you have to have your home six keeps. So for Ebonheart, it's basically the the front five right there in the center, right outside of our gate, and then the one to the south, which is, I believe, Draco. Um, those keeps we have to own, and then we can go in. Every side, if they own their home six, will have access to the city. It doesn't kick people out when it um, when one side flips it. You'll be able to stay in there as long as you don't leave. Um, however, your map pool, so you're, before the queue kicks in, 
um, everyone in Cyrodiil counts, including the people that are inside the city. So if all of your people are inside the city, nobody's going to be defending your homeland. Um, people can then capture the homeland, and if you leave that city, you're not going to be able to re-enter until you capture all those things again. So um, certain things will not be accessible inside the um, Imperial City, like travel to player. That will be disabled. You'll port to your home keep if you try that. Um, you won't be able to use four camps inside of the Imperial City. Um, that's going to be shut off. Um, traveling through the sewers, there are many exits into the map um, from the sewers um, so that you don't have to worry about people just standing on the other side and spawning camping. You can just go out of a different exit. Um, there's several exits in there. Um, the other thing is the arena. The arena is like the arena that's in Craglorn, except PvP as well. So you can be fighting, you know, the boss encounters and have Daggerfall run in there and try to join in the party, so to speak. So it, it should be rather neat. There's a lot of different areas where chests drop, so whenever you complete it, an objective, like if you complete one of the little floor anchors, I guess, is what I'll call them, um, there'll be a chest there for you to loot. There's um, rewards for um, capturing one of the, uh, the districts. And to capture a district, you get to travel to the Badlands, which is kind of like the, the worlds of Oblivion. Um, there, it's all fire and chains and smoke and creepy creatures. I can tell you that most of the art direction for the Imperial City is something out of a nightmare. Um, it looks very Silent Hill-esque. <laughs> so if you like, uh, I think that the, the people from the Evil Within decided to go help out Zenimax and, and make some of their creatures because they're pretty creepy looking. Um, so yeah, it's, it should be a lot of fun. Um, there is also going to be a dungeon that will be a PvE dungeon within the Imperial City. Um, that is the old um, the prisons. You'll basically battle your way through the prisons, the same ones that you escaped in Oblivion. You will be pushing on through there and you're going to see a lot of places and a lot of secret doors that you saw in the original tutorial of Oblivion will be there in this dungeon. So. Um, you can look forward to that. Other than that, there will also be these nice little Mundestone buffs uh, around the city that you can uh, use, and they will give you a eight-hour buff that not only benefits you, but it'll also benefit the people around you. Um, so it, it's a nice little experiment that we're playing with. Um, everything inside the city is going to be cranked up to the max. The XP, the, the loot, the gold that you get is going to be the same kind of stuff that you would get out of Craglord. So it, everything there is going to be BR-14. You're going to be fighting um, pretty tough mobs everywhere you go in there. After that, we got a, a look at the champion system, which is very, 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 very similar to the Planner Tumit system of Rift, if any of you guys played that, except for the fact that there are three main constellations or three groups of constellations. There's the Health constellations, the Salmon of constellations, and the Magic of constellations. And within each of those groups, there are three more actual individual constellations, which are kind of like the Mundusums, like the Lover and the, the Power, all those guys. Um, the, the interesting thing is is that you basically will have to choose you know one of the health, the three health categories first, and then you'll have to choose one of the Stamina second, one of the Magicka third. Now, that doesn't mean that these are, you know, boosting your Magicka. This could be spell resistance. This could be, you know, uh, being able to sprint longer, um, stuff like that. Um, each one of these things has points that you can distribute. And then within each one of those individual trees, you will have four 
abilities that you can choose to increase points in, and then you'll have four that are passives that you buy increasing points in a certain uh, constellation, you will automatically unlock these. So um, a lot of the things that you unlock um, give you just kind of um, bonuses, I guess. So it, it's, I believe it's 10, 25, 50, and 100 points into each one of those unlock each of the different steps. And you can put a total of 700 points into each constellation. So um, each point you earn is about an hour worth of playtime is how much it'll take you to pretty much earn those. So if you think about that, you know, you, you got 700 for the health, 700 for the stamina, 700 for the magicka. That's a whole lot of time. So yeah, it's, it's pretty expansive, has a lot of things that you can do. There's a lot of, you know, each constellation kind of has its own little uh, thing. Like each one of them will, will bonus a certain kind of weapon. So like in the health line, there was like the, uh, the, the two-handed weapons, the swords, shields, whatnot. Um, or I know shield was over in stamina. Um, you had bows in the stamina. You had daggers in the stamina. You had stabs in the magicka. Um, so you'll, you'll increase your weapon damages. Your, um, you'll gain extra effects to your weapons and stuff. It, it really was pretty neat. I mean, the, the actual screen, the window that you, you start choosing these was pretty hypnotizing. It's like a spiraling constellation thing that kind of hypnotizes you. It's awesome. But um, all in all, I think that's going to be a pretty nice improvement. I think we'll see a lot of, of good things come from that, and it will help put a progression after you hit max level. Um, their endgame goal is to get rid of the VR ranks. However, whatever you've earned, they're still tracking your XP the day that you turn 50. They're continuously tracking that, and that EXP that you earn from now to then is going to all get pushed into the champion system. Champion system unlocks at rank 50 and goes account-wide. So whatever rank you are in the champion system, all those things that you choose will, will be character-independent, but you'll have the same champion level on all of your characters. So if I have my level 50 and he's champion rank number 10, and I have 10 points to distribute, I can log on to my level 15 and distribute those 10 points in his tree as well. So you're not locked in on an account-wide basis, but it unlocks on account-wide. So um, you can set up each character independently different. But Fog, when is this uh, champion system coming, did they say? When it's done. Not the, the interesting then? thing is, is that they essentially have to rebuild the entire way that the stats work before this system goes into effect. So over the next three or four patches, they will be migrating all their, their the way that the, the combat system works, the way that the stats work, uh, the bonuses that you get on all your armor, all of this stuff is going to start changing. Um, they're going to be, like if you look at your health score now, it's probably going to jump up by about times 10, um, just so that they can get it out of the decimal values and into full numbers. Um, because all of like the percentage, like when you raise, you know, when you click on something that says raise uh, stamina by 1%, it's actually going to show you the number instead of 1%. Um, and they want to start dealing with whole numbers rather than fractions. So they essentially have to rebuild how it's actually constructed so that they, they can work with these whole numbers. And it'll be a lot more intuitive for the end user. Um, and they're also tweaking a lot of ways that your caps work on your armor. So um, they're getting rid of soft caps altogether. There will be still a hard cap but you won't have the soft gap anymore. And uh, the way that you get your bonuses will 
uh, tie in with the championship system. So that if they threw it on now, it would just be this extra bonuses on top of this, throwing everything out of skew. So if you're high champion rank, you would just be OP. Um, and what they're doing is they're readjusting what portion of each thing can be used for boosting things. So like the champion system was like, I think, 47% of the total points that you can have in a, a certain skill would come from the championship system, if you so choose. So um, it, it was really a lot, lot of pie charts. Let's just put it that way. We had a whole lot of pie charts in these sessions. Um, the other thing is is that they're um, they are, are are looking into a lot of the the balance issues. Um, they want to make things. They're, they're basically looking at the weapons and the skills that aren't being used, and they're basically taking those out and replacing them with things that are going to get used. So, like the the great weapon, for example, is all its stats are going to go away, and it's going to come back in the game with a um, new lineup mostly AoE focused, so it's going to have a whole lot of AoE damage that it can kick out. It's going to be much more useful than it is currently. Um, and all of their um, their passives are going to be around increasing the number of targets that you can hit with a single swing. So um, it's all basically making you into a, a DPS monster. So in uh, pretty much every single weapon in the game is looking at its least use um, things and get, boosting them so they're more useful and make sure that they're not just nerfing everything. They want to bring the stuff that's weak up so that it's it's viable and useful. Um, so that's kind of a, a really neat change that they were working on. But what, um, what good is it good to boost those other skills when we only can have five of them on the bar, though? They want diversity in builds. They don't want everybody... Okay being the same set of weapons. They want people to be able to play the way that they want to play. So if you want to run around with a greatsword, they want you to run around with a greatsword, and they want you to be as viable as the next guy. Right now, what they have is they have a handful of builds that if you want to, say, do trials, you have to use one of these builds. You can't argue, you can't say that you can't do this. As the people that came to this thing, they brought data showing that you have to be this build, this build, this build, or this build, or you will fail 100% of the time. And they want to get rid of that. They want to make it so that whatever your build is, you are a viable part of that team and can function as a contributing member of the, the group. So that's pretty much their, their main objective there. Um, championship system is just giving you a way to, to level up after you've leveled up all the way. Um, it's going to help keep people uh, progressing through the game. You're going to be able to unlock new things as you get new champion levels. Um, so... You can look forward to a lot of that stuff. Uh, future armor, they're not quite sure what they're doing with the VR ranks yet. They're not sure if they're going to just raise the, the natural rank to 60 or what they're going to do with that. But they, they're pretty much pretty sure that they want to get rid of the, the current VR system. The first thing that we're going to see is the disappearance of VR points. Um, you're going to be earning your VR ranks by earning EXP rather than the, the VR points. So that should be a... a very thankful implementation there because people shouldn't be taking such a long time to, to level up. Hey, Fog, did they discuss at all uh, anything, any way to, to make create more parity between EP, AD, and DC in the different uh, um, zones? Explain. Well, it, it seems like, you know, it, 
in certain uh, campaigns, you know, it's all DC, and other ones it's all AD. And, and there's any way to make it like so that one it's more is more equal versus all the you know all the different campaigns. Well, they're looking at a lot of the underdog stuff and trying to boost up the underdogs so they have a, a fair fight. They can't tell people to play EV or play DC. Um, with the change that's coming in the next patch, all those buffs that you get for having your own world, and those buffs won't follow you over to the new campaign. You have to be home to that campaign to actually get those buffs. So um, it's going to kind of dispel the whole, hey, let's uh, have our AD campaign. Hey, DC, let's have our DC campaign, and let's make a, a neutral alliance so that we don't attack your stuff, you don't attack our stuff, and we have these locked down, we have all the buffs. Um, that won't work anymore. You'll have to be actually home in that campaign for you to use those buffs. Cool. So additionally, um, we talked about gameplay and itemization. They're doing a lot of stuff to raise the um, usefulness of stamina. Um, they want to encourage more stamina magicka builds and um, also make it so that one weapon isn't the best for all damage. Uh, and they want to get rid of some of the... the or make the niche, niche abilities more useful. Um, they want them to be something that you would want to use um, and have its own place. As I said, they, they really want to kind of make it so that all the abilities are useful in their own way. Um, heavy attacks in the next patch are going to regen your stamina and magicka, depending on what it is that you're heavy attacking with. Um, there's going to be a buff to stamina-based abilities to try to bring them in line with the same DPS output that the magic-based abilities have. And they're also looking at the common practice to just hold down your right mouse button and block everything while you're fighting. Um, they're looking at making it so that block takes a resource of some level, whether it's a new resource or to de degrade your stamina so that you can't just in indefinitely hold it down and block everything. Um, that's kind of a, a tool that they wanted to be a very responsive thing, so when you hit block, you block. But they didn't expect people to use it 24-7, where they don't do anything but block and attack while they're blocking. So um, they're also looking at possibly reducing the amount of damage that you do when you're holding your block button down. So if you interrupt your strike, it's not going to do as much damage if you let it follow through. So. They're also adding new ABA abilities, AoE damage-based, self-detection, healing debuff, uh, stamina-based uh, heals, so that uh, people who are stamina-based will have heals available to them. So those will be coming. Um, Ultimate is getting more of a pri priority um, system, so that if you don't need the, the cleanse, the cleanse won't show for you. Um, it'll only show you what you can use and what you need. Um, they're also going to be working on the uh, ultimate generation so that you don't have to carry around a, a healing staff to uh, charge up your, your tune. You'll have other ways of doing so. Um, and they're also talking about putting little uh, charging nodes inside dungeons so that you can just go up to it and charge up your ultimate. So before you begin a boss fight, you'll be able to charge up your ultimates without having to sit there and hurt and heal yourself. Um, they're trying to make all ultimate abilities uh, scale about the same amount so that you, whatever one you're using will help charge on the same level as anyone else. So you, no one class will have an advantage over whether or not they can generate ultimate. Again, they are doing a whole lot of fine-tuning to weapon damages, synergies, um, 
you know, bow, two-handed, are, are both getting reworked quite a bit. Um, AoE caps. This is a big one. Um, they're taking away the AoE damage caps, and they're talking about making it a more progressive base. So if you are closest to my attack, so like the center of my attack, so if I'm the center of my attack, um, then the closest people to me are going to be hurt more than the people further away from me. Or if I cast a ground AoE, people closest to the center are going to be hurt the most, or people to the outside are going to be hurt lesser. Um, so that's going to be coming probably in the next patch. Um, there's also going to be um, a little more pass on the uh, stun and CC in the game, trying to make it more of a viable thing so you can't just keep breaking out of stun or CC. Um, they're, they're trying to find ways to make it more useful and more meaningful. Um, and then also they're doing a lot of optimization on the server side to try to ensure that when they do undo the cap for, for AoE damage, that it's not going to be um, too much of a strain on the server. Um, because you got to think about every single person that is being hit by a spell needs to be reported back to the server. Um, so when you have six people that are getting hit by each spell, it's only six transactions going to the server. When you have 100 people being hit by that, it's 100 transactions to that server. Now, 100 people doing 100 AoEs at the same time, you're looking at 100,000 people or transactions of the server. So it, it infinitely gets greater as those numbers rise, and that's what you why you'll see the slowdown, is just the amount of transactions it has to do. So they're trying to optimize that so that it's not as big of a deal as they imagine it could be. Um, healing is still going to be limited to six, so your AoE heals are still going to be six. They might be raising it up a little bit. Um, they're trying to make the heals be more... Uh, meaningful so that they actually heal more um, for the six that it does heal. They're trying to make sure that it's healing the people that should be healing and not, you know, pointing at a guy that's almost dead. You're throwing your heals and it's going to everyone else but him. So they're looking through all that stuff to make sure it's working as it should. Um, the next thing is the Undaunted Monster Helmets. These are dropped off veteran dungeons at first and later the normal dungeons will get them as well. When you kill a, like, Daedroth, for example. Uh, you can basically loot his his helmet, which when you wear this helmet in conjunction with the shoulders that you can earn through a, uh, a quest, uh, it will say summon a Daedrith whenever you use a heavy attack. Um, it has a, a small percentage, I think it's like 10% chance of summoning a, a Daedroth. So um, you'll basically, any of these um, helmets from these veteran dungeon bosses, uh, will have one of their abilities on it so that it'll do that ability. Like the uh, Spider Daedra uh, summons a, deal a damage over time uh, snare that um, randomly pops up. So um, you'll be able to collect them all, and, ha and I believe that these will even go into the collections tab if you want them to, so that you can keep your full set of uh, undaunted monster helms. Um, so th that should add a, a lot more desire to do dungeons. And with the downscaling um, ab ability or the up uh, the uh, upscaling of dungeons to whatever level you are, it should allow you to do all those dungeons in, in veteran mode and have them scaled to your level and have the, the loot be meaningful to you. So should be a lot more uh, interesting fights there. They're also uh, changing the gold drop weights. You won't always get one gold when you kill an NPC. This is going to change. It's going to be basically a, a variable random amount that you will get from... Um, each time that you kill like a humanoid or something. So you won't be finding one gold on everything anymore. It'll be sometimes no gold, sometimes it'll be 
10 gold, sometimes it'll be 100 gold. Uh, so you'll see those numbers change quite a bit. Same thing for the bags that you get in your mail uh, for AVA when you kill somebody. It'll be a variable amount. It'll always be 35 gold. So, um, other than that, they are definitely looking at um, trying to make top tier crafting more of a challenge. Uh, so, you know, whenever they release a new patch that has new new gear to build, they, they want it so that it's not an instant, everyone can do this right away because we have so many supplies built up for it. Um, they're talking about introducing new supplies to go with each step so that there'll be a whole, like, Malachite was an example of glass. You'd have to farm Malachite to be able to get it, and this will be a, a material that's introduced with the patch. So... Um, they're doing a lot of trade updates. Uh, reinforced or, ornate and intricate items will be giving a lot more than their current rewards. So if you're, you find one of those and you salvage one that gives you better uh, learning, when you salvage it, it'll it'll raise it even more. The value on the ones that you sell will be a lot more. Um, so you, you can look to those. Um, exploration credit is going to be changed slightly where it's not just exploring, it's also by killing and you know, killing new things as well. So um, that'll give you more XP there. Um, they're, they're talking with making the charged, weighted, and sharpened a lot more meaningful and useful. So um, I think we'll see some changes to those as well. There's also some new item sets coming. Um, the Veteran City of Ash will have a, its own item set. The Undaunted Helmets and Shoulders, new crafting sets like the Twiceborn Star. Uh, there'll be new trial sets. Um, that are going to be buffed quite a bit. Um, then there's going to be new AVA armor sets, and these look really cool because they have your faction logo on them. So you'll have like a dragon head on ours. Uh, and from the, the sketches and, and the screenshots that we saw, these are going to be pretty cool looking. So there's going to be a whole wave of new armors for AVA. Um, and then they're doing ability altering weapons. Um, so um, they're both going to be uniquely visual. So each of these weapons will have its own like unique visual so you can collect and uh, have a weapon that you really like the look of. Um, and then the um, some of these will be like, instead of using stamina, you'll use magicka. <laughs> so it, it's kind of hard to explain, but a lot of these um, will literally change the, what abilities do. So instead of like a poison, you'll, you'll do a freeze, um, or vice versa. So then we got to talk to the, the writing and lore guys and uh, kind of get a behind the scenes look at where they come from and what they've worked on. Um, I can tell you that Lawrence has had a very, very long um, history of working with um, story writing. Uh, he actually did movie and television for a while. Uh, he did the original Con Command and Conquer series. Um, he did the Star Wars Old Republic, um, worked for Bioware for a while doing that, um, came over to the Elder Scrolls, um, after one of his friends pulled him into it, um, had done a lot of things with, uh, the Middle Earth, um, games, um, but yeah, it was kind of really neat to kind of see his background and see the things that he learned and the, and the different goals that they're making. They're trying not to do things that are, you know, currently pop culture, you know, funny. Uh, they're trying to make things uniquely Elder Scrolls. Um, he also was the guy that wrote all of the stuff to Cadwell. All of his lines were written by Lawrence. 
Um, later, we got to go to the Trials and Dungeons arenas stuff, and the scaling is pretty much the big thing. They're also doing a lot of balance improvements, um, changing the mob composition, their health damage abilities that they use. Um, a lot of grouping improvements. They're making dungeon quests shareable, and they're allowing people that are late to the, the quest to jump in at that step that you're in so that they don't have to complete the whole quest or miss out. Um, they'll be able to resume right where you guys left off. So, And then they have the Undaunted Enclaves, which will allow you to pick up quests um, for completing dungeons and get rewards, additional rewards for them. The Veteran City of Ash is also going to be coming in here soon. I believe that's in Update 5. And um, the Imperial City Prison will be released with uh, the Imperial City. Uh, down the road, they are looking at more dungeons, more trials, more arenas. They're looking at solo arenas, and they're also looking at putting easy and hard modes into all dungeons, so that you can have a version of, you know, the, even the trials. They were talking about doing an easy trial mode and a hard trial mode. Um, so there's probably going to be a lot more versatility. One's going to be catered towards the casual players that don't want to min-max and, and have the perfect build, um, but it will be a slightly different story. So it's not going to be like you're seeing the same story as you would if you're playing the hard mode. Hard mode would have additional bosses as well. Then lastly, there was the justice system. And this has to be one of the, probably the, my favorite part of the whole presentation. The justice system is basically a cops and robbers version of Elder Scrolls. Uh, much like you had in the original Elder Scrolls game, you'll be able to steal, you'll be able to trespass, you'll be able to murder. Uh, cause mayhem, um, but look out because the enforcers are going to be there, and players can be enforcers. They'll sign up with the, enforce, the enforcer bureau or whatever they decide to call it, and you'll basically get a tavern that you throw on that will flag you PvP so that um, any um, outlaw can then kill you if they wanted to and take your stuff that you've confiscated. But on the other hand, you can witness them committing crimes and kill them and take their stuff and take it back to the uh, Enforcer Bureau and gain loot and prizes and uh, fame from it. Um, it adds a whole new little PvP minigame. Um, in addition, as a Enforcer, you can do PvE dungeons, like mini dungeons, and raid the bandit dens of Cyrodiil that you will be able to find by uh, basically taking a, a, a quest from... Um, the what do they call it? The enforcers have like a little home base that's outside of every city, um, and you go in there and you take a quest, and that quest will give you a map, and you basically look for this location on the map, and uh, you'll find a cave, and you'll anyone that's on that quest will be able to enter that cave. You can share these with other enforcers if you want, um, and then you can go in there with a group and raid the bandit den. There will be several. Uh, traps in there that you can actually disarm. You'll have disarmable traps and you'll be able to, to confiscate some of the traps. Uh, and then you'll be looking for contraband. You'll uh, gather all the contraband and then take it back to your enforcement bureau and turn it in for um, loot and coin. Um, thieves will be able to, to steal stuff. They'll be able to pickpocket. They'll be able to trespass and murder. Um, and they will be on the hunt for a contraband. Now, once they steal something or they, somebody has witnessed them, the guards of the city will be gunning for you. If they catch you, they will find you and take all your, your loot away. Um, if you decide that you don't like that option and you want to try to run, you can try to run. However, be warned that the guards are going to be no joke. They are going to be shooting to kill. 
and um, you will have heat, and your heat will wear off over time. Same with the bounty. Your bounty will wear off over time as well. Um, when you are in uh, outlaw mode or enforcer mode, you will not be able to fast travel anywhere. So you will be pretty much landlocked. You'll have to run everywhere. Um, that's part of the whole minigame. So it's very cat, cat versus cat mentality where uh, the hunters can be hunters. So, and the mice can be hunters as well. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, every single city in the game will have new objects that you can click on, new houses that you can break into, um, NPCs that you can steal from. Everything will be on a personal instance. So if I decide to kill this NPC, that NPC will still be there for everyone else. It just won't be there for me. Um, NPCs will respawn. So eventually those NPCs that you kill will pop back up. Um, but again, it's going to be on a personal level. They do that so that if there's a quest NPC, um, somebody doesn't just sit there and grieve the quest NPC or, or keep killing the merchants. And if they kill the merchant on their instance, the merchant's dead. But on your instance, it's still alive. So everyone can still interact with it. So that should be a, a pretty nice way of dealing with the, the trolls. Um, occasionally you might see a whole guild of enforcers running around killing things that you can't see. <laughs> but they're going to have a lot of fun doing that with themselves, I guess. But um, So yeah, that should be a pretty interesting system. It's definitely... Um, it looks like a lot of fun. I mean, from the stuff that we saw and the, you know, just the pickpocketing, sneaking up behind people and pickpocketing, having a chance of failure, uh, and then having... They're throwing in personality types on different people. So, like, I can walk up to this old lady and she's, like, sitting there all helpless and then I pickpocket her and she turns around, whips out a great sword and starts beating my, my butt silly. So, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, every, every single NPC has their own reaction to what's going on. So if they see a crime being committed, they'll either scatter the wind and, you know, oh my god, he's murdering them! Or some guy might step out of this, the shadows and be the hero and decide to take him down. Um, so you never know who's going to turn on you and whip out a sword and beat you up. So it should be a lot of fun. Um, does anyone have any questions so far? Did they say anything about adding player housing? No, not yet. You say anything how they're going to deal with uh, the emperor trading and all that? Well, yeah, that's one of the, the things that they're trying to work on, and I actually presented a plan for them on how to fix that very issue. Um, so we'll see what avenue they take. They still have any plans locked down um, for the near, near future. They're just kind of um, more worried about, you know, the, the travel aspects of the game and how people are just porting everywhere and not using conventional, like the, the actual roads that they meant for the game to have. So um, I think in the next two patches, we pro should probably see some pretty good uh, fine-tuned um, work on the, the whole Ford camps and how they're being used, when they can be used, um, how they can be used. Um, I think a lot of that transition will happen first. They are looking at making the Emperor system a little more uh, leadership-based so that the, the buffs you get aren't for you, they're for everyone else. Um, so I really think that they, they're on the right track in, in looking into this. Um, just to give you an idea, the Imperial, Imperial City has been worked on since like this, the original concepts that we saw, um, their maps and whatnot, those all were date stamped from uh, March of 2013. 
So that's how long they've been working on that thing, and that's kind of like the, the PvP team's main objective right now is to get that out, get that live. Um, once that's done, they plan on doing a lot of the other stuff, uh, including the uh, White Gold Tower. Uh, make sure that that instance gets in there. Um, they aren't able to tell us anything about that yet, but they said that that's going to kind of be the grand finale of the Imperial City. So when when you manage to lock down the uh, Imperial City, that's when you'll be able to enter the White Gold Tower. Um, so it'll be really interesting to kind of see what they did, decide to do with that uh, and how that all plays out. But yeah, on the Emperor front, not a whole lot. They're still, they, they were looking to us for ideas on how to deal with it, and I presented about probably seven pages of idea on how to deal with it. So um, we'll see. I, I got called into the, the global uh, business director's office so that he could personally thank me. For the, the document that I turned over, so it, it was very well received, and pretty much all the developers were reading it. They were all looking at it, so I, I'm pretty confident that they're really excited about some of the things I proposed. I have a, a question about something you said earlier. You said that they've been tracking all the EXP you've been earning since you hit 50. So let's say you hit V12 went back when it was the max, and you did a ton of quests and earned a ton, and theoretically earned a ton of EXP that didn't matter because you were already V12. Is when this new system goes in effect, are you suddenly going to get all that EXP? Yep, it's going to be going towards your champion ranks. So you will start at you know champion rank 40 instead of champion rank zero. Okay, but it won't make a difference. It won't suddenly like pop you up from V12 to V14. No. And is V14 going to be the final veteran rank? Veteran ranks are eventually going to be removed. It'll be something else. Right, but it's, so are they going to? Do you know whether they're going to stop it at V14 then? No, I do not know. Now that's the only gate that they have, and that's why they're, they're they keep increasing it is so that they have a gate that you know for armor and for the different trials and whatnot. Once they have this all revised, they're going to have a new system in place where they can gate it that way, and they will move these extra ranks. So, um, what kind of timeline are we looking at for some of these changes, and how do you think the guild is doing in terms of our presence in ESO? Our presence in ESO has been hurting for a while. Um, it, the, un, the inability to be able to communicate hurt us first. Um, the emperors being god mode hurt us second. Um, you know, our, we, we took a pretty serious hit when Alacrity decided to hunt us. Um, right now, we're having the hardest time because we are a family that doesn't recruit by words. We are a family that recruits by actions. We go out there, we show the world what we can do, and they join us. The problem with this game is that we don't have nameplates. We don't have anywhere where our name is actually said. So nobody knows that we even exist. Um, I can spam the chat channels to, to no end, but most people have turned those chat channels off. Um, so it's really getting to the audience and being able to be seen is the biggest, most critical issue. And that was a, a big focus of the uh, document that I turned over, is that you know, for a community like ours, we're voiceless. We have no voice. We have no... Nobody can see us. We're totally invisible. Um, the only way that they ever know that we're here is if we own a store. And the stores are astronomical now. So it's... And they're being abused as well. Um, so... It's, it's, we're really in a predicament where to grow, we need people. Um, and we can't get people without being seen. So um, that's the thing, is Elizabeth, we don't recruit. 
like that. We don't want to try to beg people to join us. We want to show them what we're capable of, and that's how we grow. That's how we've always grown. Um, we don't want to be one of the groups that spams forums, spams chat channels, saying, hey, join our guild. That's not who we are. Um, so it, it's really a, you know, when we're out on the Blackwater Blade, we get a lot of new people joining. I've been averaging about four a week uh, whenever we're out there. Um, whenever we're in Thornblade, I get nothing. Um, those are mostly people that already have their own guilds. I have yet to get a person from a uh, open campaign to join us. Um, it's pretty much all been on Thornblade. So, you know, if you want to grow the family, we need you out there supporting our leaders. We need to get vocal when we're out there leading, uh, getting people in our groups, keeping it open, keeping people coming in. The big thing Jay, that I'm trying to avoid, like with the, the guild spotlight and all that that they do, is that we had a whole lot of pre-launch press from Zenimax, almost to the point where people were saying that Gashkia was like fully endorsed by Zenimax and that we're like their, their BFF and that they favor us and that it's an unfair advantage, blah, blah, blah. And they took a lot of crap for backing us for as much as they did. So I'm trying to let the other guilds get that because right now I, I really don't want that kind of stigma about us. So it's... I, I've had uh, open invite stuff on the forums that you know might get one one or two recruits. I've posted a magazine on those forums um, to no avail. Um, but you know, it, it's really this game is not a social game. Any way you look at it, this game punishes you for grouping up. Uh, unless you're doing dungeons, you got no reason to group up. This is a very solo game. And that's one of the, the biggest things that are hurting us. That's one of the biggest things that I try to convey to them is that you're punishing us for wanting to play together. And I, I think that they were really susceptible to that. And I'm hoping that the changes that I suggested will come in the game, at least in some form or another. You know, they will probably have a better way of doing it than I suggested. So, um, but I, I think that it really did hit home to them and they see the problems that I'm having. I gave them the full data. I showed them exactly... This is how many people we had at launch. This is how many people we had here. This is how many people we had there. This is how many events were scheduled on our calendar at this day. This is how many events were scheduled on our day today. Um, how many people were ordering off our marketplace? How many people are no longer ordering our marketplace today? The people that are, you know, have clicked that they're no longer playing. I, I gave them our surveys, showed them all the data. I had full facts and figures, step by step, month by month, exactly how many people were, you know. Logging in the website, logging into ESO, logging into doing something on the marketplace, doing something in participation. I had all that data laid out for them so they could see exactly what's going on. And I made key points of, you know, what things killed us in certain points. You know, like not having the communication channel. That was a huge burden in the beginning. Once we got down to being able to fit into one room, you know, it was a lacrimony that was beating us out of us, falling us all over everywhere. Um, people just stopped wanting the PvP at all, you know. And once you're in the PvE world, you know, Two people want to group up together. Unless you're following the same quest on the same step, you won't be able to help each other. So that's you know an even bigger disheartening thing. It's it's really they're going to have to come together and realize that we need a way to play together. We play massively multiplayer games so that we can play together. That's the whole point. Um, and you, they can't punish us for it, you know. And uh, I think that that over time they're going to be you know, thinning that out and figuring it out and putting things into place so that it can, it can really help us. I mean, we are most well known for helping lower level players, and we can't do that in this game. 
if we go back there, we just wipe over everything and nothing happens, you know? So it's, there's so much that hurts us in, in this game. It, you know, in hindsight, this was probably not the best choice I've ever made. Uh, but that said, we are doing everything in our power to keep it going to the point where Zenimax can heal this and we can fix this and we can start growing again. Um, I'm not ready to say that, you know, there's no hope for us because there is. Right now, our numbers have, have pretty much held where they're at for about a month now. We stopped sinking. We just stopped, went pretty much even. And I'm hoping that in the next few months, when update five hits, update six hits, when Imperial City comes in, that's going to be a, a big thing that drives a lot of people back. And I'm really hoping to, you know, be able to build a better future for us. But, you know, it's, you know, the, the point that we have to really worry about this chapter is when we hit the 250 mark. That's really where things become uncomfortable and people start going, hey, I have nobody to play with, you know, what's up? Because 250 people, you figure that we're all casual players. We only play, you know, maybe an average of four to six hours a week. You spread that out across a day and you have maybe two or three people online at any given time, which is not a very healthy community. Um, so it, it, I really want to try to keep our numbers up around the 25 to 30 mark um, on pretty much any time during the day. I know we're, we're a little thin overnight. I don't know what happened, but a lot of the Oceanics are gone. Um, I think we have two or three Oceanic players that are pretty religious on being online at, at those hours. Um, but yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take us a little while. There's going to have to be some things put into place so that we can actually be visible again. Um, and if those things happen, we should start growing pretty, pretty quickly. Pog, one of the things I noticed is that I know Gosh Key doesn't advertise to recruit, but a lot of the other guilds too, so a lot of the people new to this game are getting snatched up by them. Yes, they are. I don't know so what the solution to that is, but... Okay, I can tell you right now, back in Warhammer, we used to promo and, and get people in that way. Those people would join our guild, and they would leave our guild. They never really had any commitment. The people that come to us, see what we do, and join us, usually have commitment. They take the initiative to come after us. When you go out and request people to join your guild, you're asking for people to join that are me, 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 me people. They want everything done for them. They want you to come to them rather than them hold up their own weight. Um, what we are looking for is people who take the initiative, at least on the very first step of their life within Goshkia. They took the initiative to step up and say, hey, I want to be a Goshkia. That is their first test as a Goshkia member. That is the way that we're built from the ground up. If we start taking away that step, we're going to end up with a whole lot of different community in here. A lot of people asking for everything and wanting to give nothing. And I don't think any of you guys want that. It was, it was a very self-centered group of people that we were getting when we tried to recruit people like that. Now, there's other ways. I mean, I've done uh, the MMObuff.tv three times now. Um, and I do that so that people see us. They, they get to see what life is like within us. Um, you guys go out there and group up with people and show people what life is like as a gosh gift. Just because we're not promoting doesn't mean that you can't help bring people into the family. You can go out there and be a positive role model in somebody else's life. And that's how people will join us, is by being that person. Um, that's the best thing you can do, is just go out there and be nice to people. Go out into the, the newbie zones and give them something. You know, just say, hey, you need some help on a quest? Let me help you. You know, it, it's... Am I looking to a new chapter? No, I'm not looking into a new chapter. There is no other new chapter out there. I mean, nothing is even close to being on the same level. So, I mean, really, 
when we start looking for a new chapter is when we hit the 250 mark. Um, until then, we are dedicated solely on keeping Guild Wars 2 and ESO alive. Um, Guild Wars 2 is going to be around till the end of the days or until they take away Sync from all, just because that is a tribute server. Um, we are paying tribute to a member that fell. So um, that will be there until they take that away from us. So even if we had 50 people on it, we'd still have a, a group there still running. Would I be running events every day? Probably not. Um, I can't tell you that event-wise in ESO, um, if we don't start getting some better attendance on the Saturday night event, I most likely will move that one back to Guild Wars 2. Uh, mainly because I can get 60 people playing with us in Guild Wars 2. I can't get, you know, 12 playing with us in ESO. Um, last night we had, I think, 10 total at our highest. Um, and that was including a lot of the community. So it's it's really up to you guys whether you want this to work. We're going to need you guys going out there supporting the leaders that are, are standing up to lead events, showing up to their events. Prissy's been out there every week along with our other leaders, and they aren't getting attendance. They aren't getting people showing up to their events. They're getting eight people. You know, eight people is not enough to justify running an event. Um, we need 25, 30, 50 people. That's what. That's why what our, our uh, elders are sent out to do. If they don't get that, it's it's really hard on them to keep those events going and to justify doing that when they can be doing that somewhere else and getting 50 people. Um, so really show your support. Go out there and help a random stranger. You know, if you see someone having a hard time with a mob, heal them. You know, or pull out a rest of staff, heal them. I mean, that would be the best thing you can do. Um, help, help random strangers. Random acts of kindness goes a long way. Any other questions? I got a couple of things. I'm relatively new to Gashkia, and I really like the guild. This is my third ESO guild. A lot of other guilds have failed or gone to Arc Age. I think that our recruiting effort probably would work a lot better if we were in a lower veteran levels, um, trying to pull in those people who have lost a guild. And second, the second thing that I had was, as I look at our our family calendar, there's a lot of red activities throughout the week and very few gold-colored activities. Everybody in our family, from the Lord Gayer rank and up, can schedule an event. Um, what you're seeing is mostly not elders running these events. These are random, everyday people that decide that they want to run events on those days. Every one of you in this room, as soon as you hit Lord Gayer, which should take you about a week, can run an event. Um, you can use the calendar, schedule it, pull people in, you know, have fun doing it. Um, that's not something that the leadership of the family has to do for you. Um, we build this way so that, you know, the stress isn't only on us because we have a lot of other things that we have to do, like, you know, maintaining that marketplace, doing invites, removing people who have gone AFK, you know, all that stuff falls on us. So we don't get a whole lot of time to play. We can't play 24 seven. Um, so it, it's really, the, the events running is really on the general membership. Who's going to stand up and lead those events? Who's going to pull people together? And what are you going to do that pulls people together? I mean, that's the biggest problem that we have right now is what can we do that entertains a larger audience? I mean, we have gone and tried and tried and tried to host events, and we have not had any luck getting people to attend them. Um, sea Corals is probably the best one that we got, and that is you know, the, the trials runs. Um, she's got about the biggest group of people going right now. 
And, you know, me, I can't run a trial script. I can't run VR content at all. I don't even have a level of VR1 yet. I am strictly out in AVA every time that I'm on, and I'm leveling up through AVA. And until they boost up AVA to the point where I can actually level up on a good basis, it's going to be a while before I ever get to VR1. So it's, it, it's really going to fall on your guys' shoulders. If you want to thrive as a community, I completely support you, and I will continue to support you. But we're going to need some people to stand up and start leading some events. I mean, today, when I had the leadership meeting, I didn't really have anyone from Elder Scrolls willing to step up and lead events. So but some, it, of that fought, yes. some of that also gets back to it's really not very group-friendly. I mean, it's, it's not like Guild Wars where, I mean, you know, we could go do those... those uh, area events and we would get like a hundred people easy it's just almost impossible to do that here very much so and that's kind of the, the thing that i tried to relate to zenimix this last week is that we need things that we can go as a community and do because right now the only thing that we can really do is run you know dolmens and cyrodiil i mean that's about the only place that you can go and pull together as a family and do something and then what, what happens when you do that you get called a moron and an idiot for being out there and doing that when you're not capturing keeps so it doesn't help us any you know um and and you know prissy has been running these events for over a month now and we're still only like three people you know last low level event she had three people that's goshkia included that is so. goshkia there was yeah, no it, public. So, so let me say this. There was no public. I get there an hour early. I spam every 10 minutes while doing an event. I will get three. I had, the last one, I had three Gashkia members show up. I canceled it. I mean, we were basically on alts trying to get it so that, so that we can run people through. I switched to the high level. My high levels, I've been getting 8 to 12. But once we run through the first time, you know, the numbers are going to dwindle once again, not community. I mean, I, I don't know what else to do. I mean, I, I have nothing else to offer. Come on, we'll companionship, friendship, you know, but they're not coming. It's, it's really, I mean, the, I think the biggest thing that we're going to see is when the dungeons down leveling comes in, we will finally be able to run dungeons as a family together. Because if we want to go do a dungeon with a, a lower level, we can actually do the VR14 version of the dungeon with, you know, three or four VR14s and bring that person along with us. Um, we will be able to, to be able to have those dungeons raise up in value and, and actually be worthwhile. So I think a lot of the dungeons are going to come back up. Like right now, I mean, how many of our VR14s has, have run through uh, the Fungal Grotto this week? I mean, who, who's run a Fungal Grotto this week at VR14? Anyone? Anyone at all? And if you did, how fun was it? <laughs> well, yeah, there's absolutely no incentive to run the dungeon once you've done it the first time for the skill point. Right. And, and that's the thing that they're, they're fixing with this next patch, is that they're going to make, give you an incentive to do those dungeons again, which should in, inspire more group content, which we'll see more events popping up for dungeons and whatnot, or doing the, the daily quests. I mean, those should spawn up. So I, I'm really hoping that that will help spur things up. Um, you know, grant, grabbing random strangers uh, into your dungeon groups will be a huge way to get people to join us. I mean, that will be huge because you can do your your. You know, I most likely will drop it so that you only need three Goshkias to claim something, um, and then preferably bring a random stranger. You know, 
expose ourselves to the rest of the world somehow. Let them know that we're Gashia. Let them know that we're going to take care of them and help them out. You know, acts of kindness go a whole long way. Um, I can tell you right now that I don't think Frissy would be here if it wasn't for an act of kindness. Um, same thing with Izzy. You know, I think a lot of our members here are here because somebody was nice to them. Yeah, but somebody with the GSCH over their head. So I'm sorry. I just I'm, I've hit my my point. I, I've canceled my subscription. Um, I just yeah. Yeah, I, I completely understand, and I don't blame you guys if you do go that route. But, you know, until we hit that 250 mark, I'm going to be putting every little ounce of energy I have into growing this family on the side of the ball. Um, I really want to see it thrive, but we need the tools to be able to thrive. And that is going to be 100% on ZeniMax. What they do next determines the fate of this side of the family. If they don't give us social tools that we need, we're not going to be here very long. We're going to drown. Can I say something? Sure. I want I want you all to know that if it hadn't been for Fog showing me the random act of kindness in Dark Ages of Camelot, actually coming after me, you know, inviting me to everything he could, I would not be a member of this guild today. It was all about your cooking. That was my cookies, I know. That and your uh, porridge that you did. <laughs> Anyway, but, you know, I mean, I've been with Fog for all these years, gone my ways, come back, and it's always come home to family. So even if you do decide not to do it, you know that this guild is always there. It's always family. It is home. Yeah. Once you're Goshkia, you're always Goshkia. No matter where we go, no matter where you go. When we cross paths again, we're going to welcome you back to our house, same way that you left it. You know, open arms. You're going to have a seat at our table right where you left it. Uh, that's the way that we roll. We're, we're a family, and we, we play games so that we can have family time together. But when that doesn't work, sometimes it just comes to that point where you, you've got to find something that does make you happy. And the, the one thing that makes me so furious with Elder Scrolls is the fact that they punish us for wanting to play together. Um, that, to me, is, is the worst thing that they ever did to us, is make this game so that playing with your friend is next to impossible. And, you know, just trying to play with my wife during beta, I can quest with her at all because she wants to run quests a certain way, and I ran my quest the opposite way. So we couldn't ever see the NPCs that we're supposed to be helping each other with. And it's just like, there's got to be a way. One of the things I proposed was that they make groups instance to the, the leader. So that the leader of the group, you'll follow their quest line. You'll be a henchman in their storyline. You'll see their quest text from their angle. And then they can join your group, and they can play through your quest line from your angle so that you can see multiple branches of the same story arc, and I think that that would add a whole lot to this game. <laughs> they can't really take phasing out because that would destroy the entire system that built their story. Their entire story would be gone, because their phasing is all around your choices. You see mobs that are there that are only there because you chose for them to be there earlier on. Um, in, in the uh, Mullig-Bog fight at the end of the game, in the cages, you will see the people that you saved in those cages. I don't know if people realize this, but all the different choices that you make in the game in that final fight, um, you will see them there. Um, so it, it's really kind of a, an interesting tie-in. And it, it's how they make this game feel like a solo player game in a multiplayer setting. But what they do need to do, they need to build a bridge so that people can join other people's games. 
Um, so that we're not just all fighting in the dark, you know. We have uh, polled. I mean, we we did just did a fall survey, and we we got the results back from that. None of the results came back even close to chapter level. Um, not even ESO or Guild Wars Two were close to chapter level. So <laughs> every single game on that list um, wasn't good enough yet. Um, you know, we're going to do another poll in a few months, and we're going to take another sample of the numbers and see where it's at and see where people are, are looking at. But it's really there, there's nothing on the horizon that is even chapter worthy right now. I mean, there's a lot of niche games like Camelot Unchained, EverQuest Next. Those are two opposite ends of the polar spectrum. Um, but neither of those has you know over 250 people interested in it. Neither of them. So it's um, it's really going to be kind of a a sit and wait. I mean, we're going. I'm going to keep on trying to drive this train as long as we can, and I'm hoping that something pops up, or you know, some game shows some a side of them that really kind of caters towards our entire community. But right now, we don't even have like a 30 percent uh, approval rating on any game. So it's um, it, it's really going to you know kind of de- depend on what happens in the future here. Everybody, just hang tight, stay together. Be nice to random newbies. And if I gotta make you guys shirts that says be nice to newbies, I will. <laughs> I think that's the number one thing that we do that I have not seen with other guilds is we are no experience required. Yeah, I mean, just, I, I can't express to you how, I mean, with Rift, I used to give out bags. And I'd go out around Silverwood and just pass out these, you know, bags that give them tons of space. And... I can't tell you how many people ended up joining us just because of that first random act of kindness. Going out there and being nice to people. I mean, the other day I was in ESO and I was trying to do the same thing. I was trying to give away random weapons to random strangers. And I couldn't get somebody to take a weapon off my hands. I mean, I, I couldn't even give stuff away. It's just, it, it's a very antisocial game. And until they fix some of that, it's, it's not going to be an easy fight for us. Um, as I said, grouping up with people in dungeons, being nice to them, you know, if you're doing stuff out in uh, Craglorn, uh, just be nice. I mean, that's the best thing that you can do. Any other questions? I think I'm going to go be nice to somebody. Go give hugs, people. Go give hugs. I can remember us doing that oh, and being reported funny. for harassment. Funny yeah. story. Funny story, guys. So. I, I know a lot of the ZeniMax team from prior games, and you know this guild summit started off pretty stuffy. Like all these guild leaders, you know, toting their puffed up shoulders. I'm the best. This. I'm the best. That. By the end, we were all like BFFs. I mean, everyone was really cool with everyone. We were all grouping up and coming up with ideas and pitching stuff together, shooting holes and other things together. Uh, it was kind of a really nice point. But that first day, we were all standing in the lobby of uh, of um, Zenimax Studios, and to, to my left was this um, short um, German girl who had blonde hair. She was part of a roleplay guild, um, Das Nuts. Um, and then in walks um, Gina, and she comes over and gives me a hug. And like the, the dudes in the room are all looking at me like, "What the hell? I didn't get a hug." <laughs> And then in walks Jess, and she comes over and she's like, man, she comes over and gives me a hug. And they're like looking at each other, going, what the heck? And then the German girl's standing next to me. 
She's like, hi! She shakes my hand and then gives me a hug. And they're like, what the hell? And I'm like, what? Gosh, she gives hugs. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was probably one of the, the funniest moments I've ever had. It really kind of kicked off the, the evening and uh, kind of lightened the mood. And, uh, you know, I was sitting right next to the guy from Alacrity. You know, the guy that literally destroyed most of our family. And I was being nice to him, and we were having a good time talking back and forth. And he was actually talking us up more than we were talking him up. So it was uh, – Alacrity was one of the groups early on that raced their way to max level and then formed Emperor. Um, they had Daggerfall characters and would flip castles one way and then flip it back with um, – their AD characters so that they could all be emperors. Um, and then once they did that, they all had their vampire ability, and they would follow Goshki around on every single map. Anywhere that we went, we tried changing campaigns, we tried going anywhere. And just with three of them, they would take down 150 of us. Um, so they would follow us around and farm us everywhere we went. And pretty soon that 150 turned to 100, then 70, then 40. And nowadays it's like 12. So... Yeah, they're one of the reasons why we don't have an AVA presence anymore. Is because they would travel around and farm us no matter where we went. Um, it it was pretty pitiful for a while there. I actually got on their team speak and told them off for it. Um, they don't have an issue because they they were playing the game as it was intended to be played. Um, they weren't exploiting anything. Um, they were just taking advantage of a, a flaw flaw in the system. So it's. It, it was really a rough, rough spot, and, you know, I, I expressed to him, even this conference, that, you know, you hurt this game. Your actions directly hurt the success of this game. <laughs> and, you know, I, I actually made him feel pretty bad, so. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, people don't think about the long-term war. Um, if you have fun in a game, you should never beat your opponent so bad they don't want to play you. Pure and simple. Because those people will quit, they will give up, and pretty soon you won't have anyone to play with. And oddly enough, their group has mostly left. They are all just trials now. The only people that are still playing are all focused on trials. They don't do AVA at all anymore. So, you know, hey, it is what it is. But, you know, that was kind of the, the rough start that we got. And, uh, you know, it is what it is. I just wanted to make a quick plug for the guild here. Um, right, we're going through some times trying to build up, but this is my first MMO um, play with, and this guild jumped out. I was looking around for a guild. Awesome website, awesome way of crafting, and incredible people who are willing to help take the time and level up. So I just wanted to say thanks. You're very welcome, and thank you for being here. So does anyone else have anything that they would like to add or ask or bring up? Alright, then we will end it here. I want to thank you all for coming out. I really hope that you guys continue on course and go out there and hug a newbie. Uh, let's just kind of create a good ripple in this world and see what happens. Make sure to be wearing your, your green PSCH uh, cloak when you're out and about. Um, that can never hurt. It'll at least get people to recognize their logo. Um, but yeah, just go out there and be nice to people. I mean, that's the best thing that you can do. It's the easiest thing that you can do. Um, and we'll keep, you know, our, our Tuesday night events going to be rotating between the uh, open campaign for everyone and the uh, the lobby campaign. Um, so every other Tuesday. I will be away the week of the 14th. Um, I will be in Atlanta. 
We will have our party out there, and then I'll be going to work for the rest of that week, and won't have communication with anybody from there then on out until that Friday. Um, but after that, the good news is I pretty much will be home through next March, probably. So um, I'll be able to get into a the good routine again, get things going, um, you know, see where really what we can do. So I'm kind of looking forward to being able to settle down and uh, stay home for a while. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Bob. Thank you for what Thanks, you do. Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Bob. Get some sleep. Do you yeah, have time for that. Before? We are we are having an event tonight, right? Yep, we are. Looking forward to it. Believe it or not, I have my withdrawals when I travel away. I mean, the four days away and not being on a touch computer, I was just like dying. I'm like, God, I got to do something. I got to go kill something. And I'm like last Laptop. night, I mean, Don was like, "What the hell? You're gonna stay up and do you know the event?" I'm like, yeah, of course I am. I've been looking forward to it since Tuesday. <laughs> so yeah, it's a, uh, it, it's you know the pick me up of my week. I look forward to it. So I'll be there tonight for sure. Is it a still hard and fast rule about not being able to put an alt account in the guild? Um, we try, but if you really have one, you can add it as a child, and um, that way it's linked to your account. It's under the family controls. Okay. And that way, if you go AFK, it goes AFK, too. I mean, right now, um, the ESO side is at a level now where we can have multiple accounts in there. Um, the Guild Wars 2 side is still pretty cool. We're rotating those on a pretty regular basis. So it's uh, we can probably pull it off. But if it comes down to uh, needing more space, we'll probably remove it. So, Fog, what kind of numbers are there in the um, Guild Wars 2 uh, guild. For right now, we have 420 that have logged in the past seven days. Okay, thanks. We have 348 in ESO that have logged in the past seven days.